0: Right. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. Again, happy Father's Day. Being that it is Father's Day, we're going to take a step away from the book of Acts and have a study, a topical study, entitled Come to the Father. And as The Spirit was leading me to to study. I find the text, the prodigal son, an important one. Uh, So put your bookmark there because we're going to be looking at Luke 15, but we're also going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6. And our study today, there's a lot of aspects that we can learn from, even though some of us are not fathers. We learn about how God is the greatest father that there ever was. The father to all of his children. You see, we began our study, this church, in Genesis, earlier this year, to look at the origins of life. And we learned that the creator and his work in the beginning had a plan, a plan that involved God loving us so much. We learned about the head of the Trinity, that's God the Father, creator of the heavens and the earth, all the stars and the creatures on the earth. And then God created mankind. You guys remember Adam was formed in the garden from the dust and then God breathed life into him. And there, once Adam was formed, he had fellowship with God that was amazing. And I I don't even think that Adam... Himself can describe how amazing it was to have that fellowship where he would walk in the cool of the garden with God the Father, get to name all the animals with God the Father. And then finally, God saw it fit to bless Adam with his wife Eve, as if God was delighting in Adam's relationship and just said, You know what, son, here's my blessing for you. Here's a woman to care for, to protect to lead, to create children with. And I wish that was the end of the story where it said, and they lived happily ever after. But it wasn't. See, the most tragic thing in our human history happened, and that was that Satan came to Eve, tempted her, lied to her, and she disobeyed the Lord. And then her husband followed suit. And the greatest of fellowships, the greatest relationships that was ever made was broken. That was the relationship of God with mankind. It was broken. And Adam and Eve, they hid from God after they sinned. And they, they put on the, the fig leaves and they try to hide from God, which is impossible to do. And it said that God called out to Adam. He said, Adam, Adam, where are you? And perhaps it wasn't this calling out to Adam in anger, but a a calling out to Adam, his son, begging him to come back to him because sin had separated them. And mankind from that point was cursed by their own sin. You see, because God is a holy God and he does not fellowship with darkness, therefore he can no longer relate to Adam unless Adam's sins were covered. So God instituted sacrifice. Do you guys know in the Bible when the first blood was shed? Was it Cain and Abel? No. That's a lot of times what I, what I would usually think of. But no, it's actually God himself took the animals and he slayed them so that he can give clothing to Adam and Eve. And he clothed Adam and Eve. Out of love. And from then on, sin began to be covered by the blood sacrifice of animals. Now you can imagine that this, this sacrifice was actually quite gruesome. These Jews would, would take the animal, and I'm sure it was struggling, and the blood that was involved, the cutting, it, it was to show them the example of what happens with sin in our lives. See, God would give them later on in the book of Leviticus. He would refine the laws of sacrifice. And this was so that men and women can be able to approach God to have their sin covered. And now this was the atonement. Now there's two words for atonement. There's one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. So the atonement in the Old Testament was a covering of sins. That was where the blood of animal sacrifice would just cover the sins. But the atonement that's talked about in the New Testament with Jesus' blood, that's a removal of the sins. Now, because the blood of animals can only cover the sins, God longed for his children have their sin not only covered, but completely removed from their life entirely. So because of this, we read in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, right? That's the verse that everyone grew up memorizing. God sent his only son, Jesus, as a perfect spotless lamb to completely remove the sin. In John 1, verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus, at this point now, he began to teach of this new relationship that the father desired to have with his children. He came to this world as the God-man, human and God, 100% human, 100% God. And he begins to tell his disciples, once he's here on the earth, of the kingdom of heaven and what this relationship with God the father can be like. He began to tell them and express to them how they can now pray to God how they could relate to him. Go to Matthew chapter 6. And look at verses 7. You see, up until this time, the Jews, they related to God in, in such a very reverent way. Where whenever they would come across as they were reading this text the Holy Scriptures, as they were writing, the scribes were writing the holy name of God, whenever they came to the name of God, Jehovah, they would stop and they would simply say the name, and they would say a little prayer, and if they were at all any, any kind of dirt on them, they would have to get up and wash themselves and come back before they continue, because they had this such a reverence for calling God the all-becoming one, Jehovah. But then Jesus, here with his disciples, begins to uh, teach his disciples, look, when you pray, pray like this. And something happens that for them that's phenomenal, something they've never expected. He calls God Father. Look at verse 7. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, wow, this would have been a shock because here Jesus is calling Jehovah God father. And they're now saying, well, Jesus is telling us that we can relate to God in this childlike way. And that's what Jesus told us to be like, to enter into faith as children. The way that a child just trusts his father and runs off the bed and then jumps towards them and the father grabs the child. They're like little, trying to commit suicide little kids all the time, but they know and they trust their dad so much. They're like, hey, I know my dad's going to catch me. And they grab him. It's that same type of faith that we're supposed to have in our life. Where day by day, we come across obstacles, trials, things that would require a leap of faith. And we're supposed to be filled with joy and and peace in that moment. But instead, we're we're concerned that our good, good father is not going to catch us. But he has a plan for our life and he loves us so much. In Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 17, it reads this. I'll just read it to you. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. You see, this is that spirit of adoption where God has taken us in, adopted us. And when we cry out, Abba Father, that's Daddy. That's showing such a loving relationship. And because we are his heirs now, his children. When we suffer with Christ, because Christ did suffer, we're reunited back to God. You see, it was through the suffering of Christ on the cross, his death and his resurrection, that we are brought back to that relationship with God. We have the removal now of our sins entirely, and this is now us being redeemed to the Father. That's what religion is. I think the word religion got a bad rap uh, a few years ago. And uh, I, I was kind of on, on board with it because of the, this video came out with this guy saying, I, I don't do religion, I do relationship. And he had a really good um, and wise and clever way. And I, I understand what he's saying, that it's not about the works, that it's about the, about the relationship with God. But the original word religion It's got a bad rap because what does religion, what does it mean? It's original origin of the word, it's re, meaning again. And religion is a connection. So if you have re, the again, and then the connection, that's to connect again. And what's it, to connect again to what? It's talking about to connect again to God. And if you're connecting again, that means you are already connected but you got disconnected, so you need to reconnect. So that's what religion is. It's the whole story, this Bible, here in front of our hands. is The whole point of this is that we had fellowship with God at the beginning, and we got disconnected with God away from him because of sin. And in order that we can reconnect with God, he had to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, so that we can have that fellowship again with him. Jesus himself, he told us what his father's kingdom was like so many times in regards to this. And many of his examples, they give us a better understanding of his love for us, for his children, and for especially those children who have strayed away. In Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, we're going to read about the parable of the lost son, which is why I titled the study today, Come to the Father. Beginning with verse 11 in Luke chapter 15, it says, Then he, that's Jesus, said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portions of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Now, this younger son, perhaps he had become spoiled in his lifetime by his own doing, that he became so greedy that he told his dad basically, Give me my inheritance now it's almost as if saying, look, you're as good as dead to me, dad. So why don't you just give me the money that you're going to give me when you die and I'll be happy. It's so cruel. And in verse 13, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. You see, Proverbs teaches us that there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. See, this is what sin, it's like in our life. It's like cotton candy to our spirit, where it's like it tastes sweet for a moment, but then it just melts away and there's no nutritional value. And all that sugar, is just killing your teeth. That's what sin is like. For a mo- moment, sure, I'm not going to deny those people who are saying, oh, but it, it feels so good. I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's the, the terrible part about It's for a moment, it does feel good. It feels good to sin, but it's end. It's always ending in heartbreak and death, ultimately. And it's a lie. It's a lie to think that what Satan has for you is better than what God has for you or for even God's ways are better than your own ways. To sin, it it basically means to miss the mark where there's perfection and there's what is good and what God wants us to do. And when we sin, all we have to do is get a little bit off with what God is telling us to do, and we're missing the mark. May we be so in tune with the Spirit of God That even those good things that we're not supposed to be doing, we stay away from. In verse 14 But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. So now this young man is in this unfortunate trial, but that's because of his own doing. See, sin sometimes, or no, all the time. Sin leads this young man into poverty and famine and led him to begging. Now there's trials that we can endure sometimes because of obedience to the Lord or because he's testing us. But there are other trials that we come upon because we're in disobedience. And these trials are a direct result from disobedience in our life. See, to go through a trial without God is to deprive ourselves of being at peace. See, if we go through these trials without God, then how are we going to make godly decisions? How are we going to be able to rely on his strength? We're not. We're going to rely on our own strength, and that's where we fail. I remember that that feeling uh, of realizing that my sin that I had chased for so long was not fulfilling to me anymore. I remember realizing that. I remember seeing it in in other people's life and it made me realize that I was doing the same thing. That the people I was surrounding myself with were not happy and it was a reflection of myself. That I was chasing after something so hard, striving to indulge in the world. And I realized that it was empty. And I started to think this—this this is what I'm chasing after so so vigorously. For what? With all the trials that I have behind me and in front of me. For this. And I I finally began to pray to God and say, you know what, I'm done doing it my way. And that's kind of what this. Young man says in verse 17, it says, But when he came to himself, and isn't that important for us to do? He said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So I I love how in verse 17, he becomes self-aware. He became aware not only of himself, but also of his father. He remembered. He remembered how his father treated him. How his father raised him up in a house where there was plenty. And because of this, he desired, look, you know what? I'm going to turn around. And that's what repentance is in our life. You see, sometimes it's hard once we're already Christians, once we're already saved and we're maturing. Sometimes we think like, okay, well, we're good. Like, you know, like I don't have anything more to repent of. And that's a failure. Or there's those things in our life, those areas in our life where like, okay, yeah, like, I probably shouldn't be doing that, but this isn't like going to send me to hell. So, like, it's cool, you know? There's those areas where God is still having his Holy Spirit prick on your heart. Say, hey, like, I don't want this in your life. This is something you could give up. And those are those things of repentance that should still be in our life, where we should continually repent more and more as believers. We're not going to become perfect, but we could become more like Christ day by day. And this prodigal son, he simply at this point said, look, I, I just want to turn around just so I could be a servant in my father's house. It was David, King David, who said, look, it, it, it's better that I dwell as a doorman in God's house in the temple than to be amongst evil people. You see, when you take all the complexities out of what it means to be a Christian, out of your life, you're left with this basis of relationship and that's simply to know God. Not knowing of God, but knowing God himself. That personal relationship It's important in our lives. There is an account of a missionary girl named Carrie Tarjansen. She served for 15 years as a missionary to the Philippines. And Carrie, she was a missionary kid who grew up in China. And as a teenager, she was confined for a time during World War II in an internment camp And she discovered during this camp a deep truth that changed her life. A quote from her reads, In the camp that she was number 16, one of many Westerners who sought self-identity and comfort behind the walls of the electric fence that separated them from the outside world. There were many other missionary kids in that same predicament, And often they managed to get together for a few moments of prayer, prayer for freedom. But as time passed, Carrie began to feel uneasy about these times of prayer. Freedom was becoming the ultimate goal in life. And God seemed to become less and less important. Except for his answer to their prayers for freedom. She began to pray and search the Bible, and Carrie came to a new outlook on life. And she no longer desired to join the others in their prayers for freedom. It was only then that Carrie was able to pray the prayer that changed her life. She prayed, Lord, I am willing to stay in this prison for the rest of my life if only. I may know you. And at that moment, she was free. You see, when you know God, you know His grace, you know His peace, you understand His freedom, you know His freedom, you know His love. And that's what this man, this prodigal son, is beginning to realize. That he remembered his father, he knew him, and in verse 20, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And this is something I love about the father, is that he was waiting outside for his son. He's waiting all, even though his son told him that he was dead to him, that he took all the money. This father was out there longing to see his son again. And the son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now this prodigal child was correct in what he just said. He wasn't worthy. And neither are we of God's grace. But that's the point. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, we need mercy. We need the mercy of our Father. In verse 22, But the Father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. See, we need this grace, the grace of the father in our life. And that's the whole point that God desires to give us what we don't deserve. There's nothing, no work that we can do to earn it. And nothing that we can do to separate us from it. See, God is ultimately powerful. He calls us, He calls us to Himself. We just simply have to be open to receive His love. Because if we reject Him, if we turn away, it's our own doing. It says in verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. So here we see an unfairness that this brother sees. We see him becoming jealous because his father is blessing his son when he doesn't deserve it. And that's because this brother doesn't understand grace. Now, do we become jealous of those who are being blessed by God the Father? When we see another Christian being used to save people, do we criticize the methods? the Pharisees, they were jealous of Jesus. In fact, Jesus, as he's telling this parable to his disciples, the Pharisees are there listening, and Jesus is bringing this portion of scripture, or of the parable up, and the Pharisees begin to become angry because they realize that they're supposed to be the prodigal, or the prodigal son's brother in this point. And that's because the Pharisees, they had this, this power, this reputation amongst the Jewish people where they were mediators between the Jewish people and God. And the people would go to them for answers when it came to spiritual things. And now Jesus is coming on the scene and saying, look, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me. No one goes to the Father but through me. And so now Jesus is taking that role as mediator. And the Pharisees didn't like this, so they became jealous themselves. May that not be said of us. You know, sometimes we're so cruel to to people who are different than us, who are kind of quirky or just... Maybe we're raised different. And we could become mean. And God wants to love on his children. And sometimes if someone's different, sometimes they're hard to, to, to work with, to deal with, but God still loves them. And we are supposed to be his representative of loving even our enemies, those people who we're supposedly supposed to be against We're supposed to show them love. In verse 31, and he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Now the father, he's correcting his son. He's saying, look, my son was lost from me. Now he's back. And he's rejoicing over this moment and encouraging his son to also rejoice in it as well. Now to a point, we've all wandered away from our father, our father in heaven. And we still do in moments when we choose to sin. And maybe that's, Because for so many different reasons, being that we're on the topic of fathers, perhaps our, our father, here our earthly fathers, were not good representations of God. Perhaps we didn't know our dads growing up. Perhaps our dads had left us for one reason or another. Perhaps we just lost our dad along the way through death or tragedy. And those are those hard things to deal with. Because our fathers were our first idea of what God was. And they showed us that. So know this, that you have a heavenly father who loves you so much, who is praying for you, that Jesus himself is praying for you at the right hand of God, that he has a plan for your life and he has so many gifts that he wants to bless you with. You know, during this whole pandemic that we've been going through, I believe it was a wake up call for many, including myself, that God allowed us to be without so many distractions, idols, and he allowed us to focus again on faith, on family because he wants us to get back to that place where we have that relationship with him. And as I was going through the story of the prodigal son in our life, I'm or in in this book, the Bible, I'm reminded what what are those things in my life that I'm still holding on to that I need to let go of. And I pray and I ask God to help me do it. To help me let go of those things whether it be fear or any kind of vice. And then I'm reminded that God is so powerful and he loves me so much that it's going to happen. That as I trust in him, ultimately, he's going to get the victory. That we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And because of this, we can rejoice. And then we could rejoice with not only our heavenly father, but also our earthly Father and share of the love and spread it to people. So this week, may you be reminded of the grace of God in your life. Reminded that somebody was praying for you. So we should be praying for others and allow that to grow, allow that to spread. Amen. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for being perfect, Lord God, even when we're not. Lord God, even when we run away from you, when we forget you, you call us back to yourself. So I pray and I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would give us, Father, strength, let go of those things that are pulling us away from you. To choose, Father, to serve you fully and completely, Lord God, no matter how hard it is. Lord God, I pray for those who are hurting because their their fathers are either absent or just hurt by the idea of their earthly father. I pray and I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would heal those wounds, that you give them, Lord God, just spiritual fathers, Lord God, that you'd give them yourself. you fill it with love, Lord God, and peace. Father, may you just go before these people here this morning, Father. May you give them a, Lord God, a safe week, Lord God, just a week where they are used by you, fully and completely. Lord God, uh, in this world where everything's falling apart, it would seem like, Lord God, may we just trust in you, may we keep our eyes on you, Lord God, add to us as you seem fit. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: in stories of what they think you're like But I've heard tender whispers of love In the dead of night and you tell I pray It's who I am. It's who I am. It's I am.
0: by his Holy Spirit and
1: we'll see you on Wednesday night over the internet.